Welcome to Old Walls House. It's your main man and host, Old Walls. Back once again. Episode 12 of Old Walls House here. Got a fun show coming your way. Got uh, got the team back together. Bucky Appley and Zach Place back with me here this week. As always, we got 60 seconds with MJ. We've got a Flyers update. We've got some fight news. We've got some golf. We got the NCAA tournament to discuss, of course. So, you know, before we get in everything, again, thank you everybody for all your support. I appreciate it. I'm cooking up a new thought on a t-shirt if anybody would be interested in doing t-shirts again. So I'm working on something. So keep your eye out. Keep your eye out. As you know, we got to get some of that housekeeping in. So guys, if you could rate, review, subscribe, comment, share with your friends, share with your family, whoever you think may like it, I would appreciate that to the end of the earth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys coming back and listening so much. I probably haven't, I don't know that I said this last week, I'm having so much fun doing this, and I appreciate you guys being here with me along the ride. So, like I said, fun show coming up. What we're going to do is, we're going to start right with 60 seconds with MJ, and then we're going to roll right from that in with Bucky in place. So let's get to it. What's up, everybody? It's MJ with another edition of 60 Seconds with MJ on Old Wall's House. Wally, I know we got a big week of sports, um, even some entertainment. Um, with WrestleMania, Stone Cold coming back, all that good stuff. Um, I know you know NBA is going, but I got to stick with the NCAA tournament. It's been a great tournament. Sunday's games were a little disappointing, as in like close games, but not for me. Super excited for the Tar Heels to be in the Final Four again, but you know, super frustrating. And I know I talked some shit earlier in the year with Duke and Coach K losing his last home game with North Carolina, but of course. This whole destiny thing, I hate it. It's too coincidental. I'm not into conspiracy theories, but come on. You know, the only thing I can really compare it to, Wally, is it feels like a Will Smith slap in the face. You know, just for some reason, it feels like that. Uh, Have a good week, everybody. Enjoy some sports. MJ gone. Okay, some great thoughts from MJ there. And now, welcoming back, as Mr. Appley calls it, the team. We have Bucky Appley and Zach Place. Welcome back, gentlemen. Thank you, Jordan. Pleasure Thank to be you. here. Thank you, Jordan. I'm so happy and thrilled to be on your podcast, sir. Zach, I sense the sarcasm. It's not appreciated. As the first and so far only three-time guest, I would I would expect a little bit better from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just the hardest working man in America and just carve out five minutes of my day to appease you and help your viewers. I'm just dying over here. As the hardest worker in America, self-proclaimed, that is, I've been told that we really need to make sure that we we mention that's the self-proclaimed hardest worker. How do you feel that Coach uh, Jeff Slanovic has also proclaimed himself to be the hardest worker? Yeah, I just don't see it. I see a lot of texts coming in at 10 a.m. I mean, the day starts bright and early. Slano's working 10 to, what, 5 maybe? On recruit time, I, I just don't buy it. I think it's all a show. He's he's a he's a pretender, as some would say. Fake news, all talk. Interesting. Okay, well, uh, my man MJ led us into something pretty nice here. We've got uh, we've got a Final Four. We've got some blue bloods in it. We've got North Carolina playing Duke. We have Villanova playing Kansas. But we also had a slap over the weekend. Did either of you guys happen to catch the slap? I did not catch the slap live. I saw it when I woke up this morning. Obviously, it was setting the internet and social media on fire. I I did catch the slap live. I was watching on the couch with Hannah, and we both looked at each other as our TV went muted and said, did that really just happen? Went all over the Twitter sphere trying to find anything possible. Found the uh, the real video, and all I can say is wow. But I do have some things on that. I think it's staged. I could have a tinfoil hat on, but you're telling me the dude yelled. Will Smith yelled at you point blank, walked up from his seat, and you put your arms behind your back and leaned into a slap. And then did you see Will's face when he walked off the stage? A little chuckle, grimace, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not buying. There's like a movie thing here. We got 
there's something behind the scenes. WrestleMania is Saturday. Saturday and Sunday. Do they make a guest appearance and have a showdown? They very well could. Right? <laughs> I mean, when was the last time? I didn't. I haven't tuned into the Oscars in years. And all of a sudden, someone gets slapped, and here I am watching it. Here's, here's something that I saw that I'll add to this. First of all, the slap, the Oscars, it's all a total non-factor in my life. Could not care less. Don't care about Will Smith. Don't care about Chris Rock. Made up, not made up. Don't care at all. However, if it was The Rock and not Chris Rock standing behind that microphone, does Will Smith's reaction change? A hundred percent. That motherfucker doesn't go near the stage if The Rock is cracking jokes about his wife. Also, little guy, The Rock is a big guy. Will Smith went after the little guy. I like Will Smith, but seems to be facts. Also, I love a lot of Will Smith movies. He seemed to have no problem when half of Hollywood was plowing his wife, but someone makes a little joke about her hair, and now he's all upset, so. And yeah, I'm with you, Bucky. I literally give zero fucks about this. I thought it was funny. I woke up the next morning and saw it. I had to watch about ten minutes of the Oscars, and I wanted to blow my brains out. It was so bad. So, yeah, I think that's plenty of Oscar talk here for, for tonight. So, just a recap of where we're at in our, our betting. We don't really know where Bucky's at, even though he claims we're a team. He goes against us. He gives us picks on the other side and, and bets that. What I am at, and I know Zach bets against the pod plenty of times as well. I, myself, on the NCAA tournament proper, I am 31-28-1. I am up a little money if you just include the regular NCAA tournament. The first four, which was obviously a disaster for us, we went 0-4. I'd be down just a bit of money and would have a 31-32-1 uh, record. So in the tournament itself, I am profitable. If you include the first four, which I don't because it's not real and it doesn't count, I'm not. So, But we're not talking about that. So how do you guys feel we've done thus far in our uh, our adventure to bet every game? I did make a statement last week on the pod that I had the first weekend, wishy-washy, put out some pod picks, woke up that day, had good gut feelings, changed my mind, and I said last week I was going to stick with my picks, stick with the gut. I did it, and we fucking dominated. Yeah, we were 8-4, eight and 8-4 eight and four Sweet 16 Elite 8 weekend, so very good. Took some of those days, parlayed them together, took a couple teasers, we hit anything at all. And the bookie is sending Venmos. That's all that matters this week. <laughs> yeah, I think we definitely battled through some adversity early on. Uh, I was seeing some texts come in from some of our friends really bashing our picks as normal. They like to step on us when we're down. Not surprisingly, we battled back and now have a winning record. Um, I'd just like to point out, I've made two money line bets in this entire tournament. And one was Arkansas when they were playing Gonzaga, and the other was St. Peter's against Purdue. Um, those are the only two money line bets I have logged in, uh, and the rest of the tournament really is irrelevant outside of that. That's how I feel. Yeah, that will that will make up for a lot, and it is funny, those texts and the group, mess- the group chats you were talking about, they were coming a lot on Thursday and Friday. They started this kind of go to a trickle on Saturday and Sunday. We haven't heard much of anything this past weekend from that group. So That's a really good point, Jordan. It has been cricket since our success has has started there. So any other thoughts on the tournament this last weekend, things you saw, things you liked, things you hated? Any Any other thoughts from you guys, Zach? Start with you. I thought it was really good. I mean... I came out of the first weekend thinking chaos, right? How how busted every bracket, everything was, and here we are with four blue bloods. Like you couldn't have mapped it out any better. That after all of that stuff, we have Kansas, Duke, UNC, and Villanova. So seems like a fairy tale script for CBS. I'll I'll jump on that. Um, I'll go as far as to say I think college basketball's back. 
Uh, I'm someone who grew up watching a ton of college basketball as a kid. A ton of college basketballs. Probably my, you know, March Madness was easily one of my favorite things to watch. And then throughout the last decade, uh, it's been hard to watch at times. Uh, and then I maybe it was COVID and I missed it. Or maybe it's just that the games have gotten better. The product has improved. I think the one and done really hurt the NCAA game. But it seems like the one and done has kind of, it's, I want to say, settled in a little bit. And, you know, the mid-majors, we were having teams and players you've never heard of. And now here we sit with four blue bloods and so far a great tournament and probably a legendary historical weekend coming up here yeah so before we get to the the final four because i have thoughts about that and i have a question to pose i've enjoyed the hell out of this tournament like you bucky i grew up watching more college basketball than i can think of it used to be like big monday on tuesday on monday rather it was like super tuesday like every day of the week had some dumb moniker for espn and i watched the seven o'clock and the nine o'clock game every night I, I mean, I was watching the 8th and ninth place ACC teams play, and then in, like like you said, probably the last, for me it was like 2016, 2017, 2018, I started just falling back to watching North Carolina and the big games. And then, like, 2019, 2020, it was, like, only North Carolina. Then North Carolina started to suck, so I wasn't watching them. But I've loved it this year. I started watching college basketball, like, after New Year's, and it's been so much fun. Like, the crowds are back. Like you said, we went through a year of COVID with no crowds, and that was just dog shit watching basket, college basketball. But I've had a hell of a time watching a sensibly tournament, except, except for that Houston and Villanova game. I wanted to gouge my fucking eyes out watching that game. I mean, how many houses could have been built with the bricks in that game? Villanova, I'm not disputing that they're good, but it's a good thing they played a team that totally missed that the concept of basketball was to put the little orange spherical thing through the cylinder that hangs 10 feet above the rim because Houston couldn't hit a fucking ocean with a grape and Villanova wasn't much better. Other than that, I've had a great time. So that, that game, though. I mean, horrendous. So, uh, other than that, though, I, I have no complaints. But we talked a little bit about the Final Four. Are these the best four teams in college basketball over the last 20 years in the Final Four this weekend? Probably. I can't deny it. I think, I yeah. think the only team you could maybe say deserves to be in there is UConn. UConn has won three NCAA tournaments in that time, but they've had, like, six very down years. UConn women, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, Bucky, what is a woman? Um, let's not go there. Let's not go there. So, all right, so let's get into the final four. So we've got – let's start with the first game. We've got Villanova-Kansas – for whatever reason right now, I'm not showing a line. Are you guys seeing a line on that? Yeah, I got four and a half. Four and a half? Okay. And that's Kansas giving the four and a half? Yes, sir. Well, Zach, since you're hot, what do you think? Oh, there was a big, big injury to Justin Moore on the mm -hmm. other side with roughly 50 seconds left in that game. Heartbreaking. Um, he is a key um, attribute to that team. Averaging 15 and I think six or seven shoots 33% from three. They are going to deeply miss them. But if some remember from back in 2016, 2018 run, there was a young point guard, uh, kind of like Colin Gillespie, like named Archie Diacono. His younger brother is going to come off the bench and fill in for him. And the kid is just absolutely atrocious. Don't let me wrong. He's averaging a point a game. His, Efficiency is easily negative, but it's the last name, and I have hope that his brother's going to coach him up. I'm going to pick Villanova. I rode him the whole way. I have future bets. I backed him every time. 
Four and a half's a lot for a team that can shoot the ball well, pass, make their free throws, right? Houston makes their free throws in any shots. They can't, but Villanova did, and that's why they're moving on. I'm riding them again. Bucky? Zach, have you watched Kansas play at all? Have. Okay. I just wasn't sure there. Um, so, Villanova, throughout this tournament, has played, what, six guys? Yes. So now they're down to five. They're down to five. They're the only team in this tournament that plays less guys than North Carolina. What has Villanova's road been? Can we go over that at all, just like really quickly? Do we have a snapshot? Got, yeah, I can get we that. Got, we got Delaware, and then Michigan, and then... Um, Delaware, Ohio State, Michigan. Oh, yeah, Delaware, Ohio State, Michigan, and Houston. Where Kansas has beat Texas Southern, a stout squad, Creighton, Providence, and Miami. Uh, So I'll I'll say this. I think that this Kansas team is incredibly loaded. Um, I don't think Bill Self is the best coach. I actually think Jay Wright is is a great coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And give him a week to scheme something up. Could he figure something out? Probably. Uh, but in big moments and big games like this, I tend to prefer the Jimmys and the Joes over the X's and the O's. And for that reason, I'm going to go with Kansas. I'm going to have there. Every part of my being wants to go with Kansas, but for some reason, I think Villanova is going to do something here, but I'm not, I'm not, I, I can't do it. I can't do. It. I'm. I'm going Kansas. What you watched Villanova play Houston? I yeah. I watched them play Houston, and there is no chance. Houston's one of the best offensive teams out there, and they still shot well. Think about Kansas. They're gonna shot well. Dude, was, don't, don't bring Villanova down because Houston couldn't hit an ocean, right? Villanova wasn't really lighting it up out there in that game. I mean, I know my fat ass could have sat out in the corner for Houston. I, I don't know, man. I, I know I could have sat in the corner for Houston and chucked up fucking bricks and made like I could have made I could have went one for twenty in that game. Nick Place said that too. He can't do that shit. <laughs> you couldn't do it either. Hey, Nick Place is the better place. Yeah, I'm going Kansas. I just can't get behind Villanova. There's just no way. You and I, buddy. Curse is gone. Go Wildcats. Yeah. So. Chalk. Rock, Chalk, Jayhawk. That is R-O-C-K-C-H-L-K. Not whatever the hell I sent you guys in the group chat the other day when I typed R-A-L-K. Had a little stroke there. So pay no mind to that. Rock, Chalk, Jayhawk. And then in the night game, for the first time ever, Duke and Carolina in the NCAA tournament. Coach K on his farewell tour. Hubert Davis crying his way to the Final Four. What do we like, Bucky? First of all, is this the definition of a wet dream for the NCAA? Yes. They, they, they could not have had a... The only thing that could better be better for them is Kentucky instead of Villanova. Okay. All right. Yeah, this is... It just feels like destiny. So we've got Duke, Carolina... What's the spread? Is that also four? Four, yep. I had four, yep. I think Jordan's on his second Miller Lite at this point <laughs> since we started the pod. Well, I started with a, a Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. That was a 16-ouncer. I saw a pounder, yeah. Yep, I'm on vacation, still working hard. Not even Slano can top that. So, That's And this is my second job, people. This is my second job. No hobby. I worked at my first job today too. I was working two jobs on vacation. So anyone, there may be a new self-proclaimed hardest worker in the chat. Wow. We're gonna have to redefine what what qualifies as the hardest worker in the chat. That's for sure. Um, back to your question, Duke Carolina. I'm stalling because I still have not decided which side of the fence I'm on here. Carolina, who was just the dog shit team all year comes into this tournament and runs everyone they play they haven't even had a close game granted they did just play st peter's in the elite eight but they undressed st peter's i mean st peter's was was a hot team and they made them look terrible 
Uh, Duke, on the other hand, is going to get all the hype in the world. Uh, th- is Destiny a thing? I mean, if Destiny's a thing, then Duke's the pick. And these teams split in the regular season, right? Yeah, before Carolina got hot, Duke won the first game. And then Carolina got hot, like, two weeks after they like, – not even two, like a week and a half after they lost to Duke. I think they've won – Something like they've won all but like three of their games since like February eighth. Who they lose to in the ACC championship tournament? They lost to. Give me a second here and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Duke has looked fantastic in this tournament too. Not to not to downplay how they've played. This is this is like two giants in an all time battle. We'll probably be telling our grandchildren about this game. Carolina lost to Virginia Tech in the ACC semifinals. Uh, that was when Virginia Tech got hot. Yep. Yeah. So, so I'll say this. My, my biggest hope is that the game lives up to the hype. I really hope that, that both teams play well and that it, it's a close game, a well-played game, and I'm going to pick North Carolina. I just am. They're getting the points. They're hot. And I mean, fuck Duke, right? I mean, fuck Duke. I even need to pick because I know where Jordan's going with this. So I'm just you don't know where I'm going. You don't know where I'm going. All right, all right, then I I am taking Duke. I fuck Duke. Duke. Let's go Heels. <laughs> uh, yeah, saw that coming. Uh, I just I think Duke's the better team. I think this is. Just like when they played in Chapel Hill, I think they win by 15. As I like to say, that will be an alternate spread game. We're going to get a minus 8, 9, 10, whatever it is. The UNC life is gone. They just played a cakewalk and sleptwalk, and now it's they're running into a buzzsaw. Okay, so here's my honest thoughts. A, fuck Duke. Fuck Coach Krzyzewski. Fuck John Shire. They really don't, to be honest though, Duke doesn't have, like, the typical Dukey you, like, hate on the team this year. Which is kind of weird. Carolina's as hot as you can be. If R.J. Davis and Caleb Love can both make threes in the same game, it's going to be wild. But I like Carolina just taking the points. I think this game's either a blowout or it's close. So take the points and take the chance would be my, my thought. So I would go Carolina. But... As motivated as both teams are going to be just because it's the Final Four, think about how motivated North Carolina is. They ruined Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor. Can you imagine like going down in North Carolina history as the team that not only beat Coach K in his last game at Cameron, but knocking them out of the NCAA tournament in the only time he's ever played Carolina in the Final Four? Like, that's record books. Like, they could win this game tomorrow, or Saturday, rather, and the national championship does not matter in Chapel Hill. Like, they ended Coach K's career in Duke, and they ended his career in the NCAA tournament. They don't need to win the national title, pretty much. They're, like, the third-best North Carolina team of all time just doing that. Can I ask a question? Absolutely. Carolina players show up to the game wearing all black, like black suits. Like a funeral? Is that what we're going with? Yes. I don't think so. I think they've been wearing the cowboy hats because they played their first round games in Texas because they were in Baylor's thing. So they bought cowboy hats before the Baylor game. Okay. So I think they keep the cowboy hats going. Maybe they wear black suits with cowboy hats. Kind of John Dutton style. If they go that, I may have to switch my pick. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see before pregame. Let's let's just hope that the nerves don't get in the way. Sometimes these games can be really ugly when there's so much hype around them. Yeah, the nerves. They're playing. You know, they're playing in the middle of a football field. There's eight miles behind the basket. Maybe they just need a couple Miller lights before the game to warm up. I mean, that or just if they probably just want to rip a couple J's and then. They'd be really good to go there. I don't know about you guys, but that was always my fix to shoot really well. Just got to find the right zone. So it looks like we have 
Two two-to-one things. Bucky and I on the same page, Kansas and North Carolina. Zach's going to be the uh, the dissenting opinion in each game. So anything else you guys want to touch on here before we wrap this one up? Anything else in the world of sports while we're at it, too? I mean, if we're going to talk this, right, national titles on Monday. Yep. So if, if you think the picks are UNC versus Kansas... Who's your pick to win at all of those two? Uh, I'll, I'll lead off. If it's UNC and Kansas, I'm taking Kansas. But I... I gonna... Go ahead, Jordan. Go ahead. I'd probably tend to agree with you. It's like the big letdown game coming off the Duke game in the Final Four. I don't like it, but I, I'd kind of lean that way. Odds, odds to win the NCAA championship. Duke... Plus one sixty, Kansas plus one eighty, Villanova plus four fifty, North Carolina plus five hundred. Book North Carolina. Yeah, that's value. Plus right five hundred. Take it straight to the bank. <laughs> then just go hedge it. You think they're gonna win? It's North not a Carolina, bad bet. Plus five hundred. Take the odds. I like it. You heard it her first. Carolina, plus 500. Take it. Don't blame us if you don't. <laughs> Any other thoughts, boys? Anything else in the world of sports you, or the world in general you got to share your mind on? Good for Scotty Scheffler. Becoming world number one. Little little tear jerker there with his family embrace and everything. Thought that was good for the game of golf. I hear there's some rumblings that the old big cat may be uh, making a return next week at Augusta. Uh, I saw some photos. That place looks gorgeous. So I'm looking forward to a, a good uh, Masters at Tiger Place. Here's something worth looking into. The Savannah Bananas. Just look them up sometime. Baseball team. It. Baseball players. I'll have to check that out. I, I don't know anything about the Savannah Bananas. It's a hell of a name. They they are everything that baseball is missing. All right. I will make it a point to do that. I, I do think we need to clear one thing up because there are some, some T-shirt options being looked at of a gentleman standing on a couch and or a bar. With the words, let's get it up in this bitch. Which is a which can only be only be said correctly by one man, and that man has to be on the this podcast right now. Mr. Bucky Appley. Uh-huh. The trademarker of that phrase. After hitting a what? A three team parlay. And let's get it up in this bitch. So ladies and gentlemen. Let's get it up in this bitch this weekend. North Carolina, plus 500 to win. Parlay that with Carolina and Kansas on Saturday. Three-team parlayer! Let's get it up in this bitch! In the other bracket going on this month of March, we had the WGC match play in golf over in Austin, Texas. And we've got a new world number one, Scotty Scheffler. Now a three-time winner on the PGA Tour. Scotty Scheffler had been on tour and had played in 70 events without picking up a win. And now in the past six weeks, he now has three wins. So 70 events, no wins. 75 events, three wins. Uh, in those first 70 events, he'd made a career $8.7 million in earnings. Not too shabby. And was ranked number 14 in the world. And now that we're at the end of 75 tour starts, he has three wins, 14.9 million, and is now the world's new number one ranked player. So Scotty Scheffler with a with a great week this week, um, wins all his matches, of course, only plays the 18th hole one time. That was against Billy Horschel. Beats Kevin Kisner, the the match play wizard in the uh, the finals. Kisner loves this place, this Austin Country Club, and he has a great match play record in general. 
there's some there's always been talk that he's kind of gotten snubbed out of some Ryder Cup teams with how great of a match play player he is. And Austin Country Club, I think, is a great location for this event. They've been there since 2016 now, I believe. And it, it's a fun course. It's quirky. It's short. It's just over 7,000 yards and probably almost plays shorter because you see the ball rolling out there. The ball runs forever. When they play it here in March, there's no rough. So that's not like the rough is catching it if it gets out of the fairway. And it just makes for a fun match play course. There's some risk-reward. There's some funny little trick, quirky little areas in the courses that leave for just for fun scenarios. The green surrounds make for fun situations. So it's too bad that it goes on during March Madness, and a lot of my you know time is focused on watching March Madness games. And I was traveling a little bit. This weekend as well, so I missed some of it, so I didn't get to watch a ton, but what I did watch, I enjoyed, and I hope they, they keep it there in Austin. The When it was, I think it was, what, Dove Mountain before, that it kind of lacked the same sizzle, and I think they, for a while, they did a 36-hole finale that could really drag on if you got somebody up like three or four, then they pushed out to five or six, and then all of a sudden they're starting the next, uh, the next 18 up six or something like that. So I think they've kind of got the formula right now and really enjoyed it. I'll be watching a heck of a lot more golf starting next week, and then you know, two weeks after that is the Masters, which brings me to kind of the next thing to talk about here in the golf world is that Phil Mickelson's out. He's not playing the Masters. That word came out, um, I believe, middle of last week, that Phil Mickelson will not be playing at the Masters. The conspiracy theories are out there that – Augusta urged him not to play, which lends its hand to the Phil's been suspended by the PGA Tour kind of conspiracy theory. You know, the, the tour doesn't per, um, doesn't publicly announce their suspensions. So that, that you know, that tinfoil cap, wrap me up in that tinfoil cap. I think Phil got suspended, and I think Augusta said, hey, don't make us the, the, the bad guy here that we're going to let you play and and kind of go head-to-head with the PGA Tour in that sense. That They're kind of putting up a united front and have politely urged him not to play was the, the rumor I read on Twitter. And speaking of players and Augusta National, there's starting to be some scuttlebutt that Tiger's going to come back there. He was still, last time I checked, and forgive me if something new has happened, Tiger was not listed as a champion not playing in the same way Phil is. And there's been reports, I believe the fried egg said that he was seen walking around medalist. And again, that's been the big thing is for him to walk a full 18 holes after his car accident. The leg really hadn't been able to stand up to it. And just from what I've seen of medalist on TV, there's a big difference between walking medalist and walking Augusta. I've been to Augusta. Those hills are real. As you'll probably hear on TV four or five times during the Masters broadcast, TV does not do it justice how steep the inclines are. Like going up 18, that's way uphill. Down 10 is way downhill. So there's some serious elevation changes around there that would be interesting to see if Tiger's leg can hold up to. But yeah, rumors are Tiger's been walking around medalist and Freddie, uh, or sorry, Joey LaCava's been down there with him, which would uh, lend its, you know, lend some uh, some truth to the fact that he might be getting ready. And I just want to say one thing. This this just kind of popped up to me as I was looking at, you know, the world rankings and some things like that. Scotty Scheffler is the hottest player in the world. He's been winning. He's a new number one. A, a young guy that almost doesn't get the credit he deserves for what he's done, I think, is Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa has played in nine majors in his career. He's won two of them. That's a pretty good hit ratio. I mean, it's obviously you know, keeping that up would be absurd. But man, it's hard to, he just doesn't feel like he doesn't get the press because he, he's kind of quiet. He keeps to himself. You know, he's not the up and coming hot thing right now anymore. So while I think Scotty Scheffler has got a great career ahead of him and he was, you know, in hindsight, great pick to put him on the Ryder cup team when he hadn't had a win yet. And some people were questioning why they would do that. And, you know, Kevin Kisner was a big guy that they wanted to put on the Ryder Cup team. And 
So I, I think Scheffler's, you know, this the the sky is the limit with him. But let's not forget about a guy like Colin Morikawa yet, who's proven it on the the biggest of all stages. Not that Scheffler's wins haven't been on big stages, but again, Morikawa nine majors played, two of them won. So that wraps up my golf thoughts. Like I said, sorry I didn't watch much again this week, and uh, we'll have more more in depth golf thoughts uh, moving forward here, and especially in a couple weeks. So that'll be all for the golf this week. Flyers update time. In other things that have taken a backseat for me uh, in the last two weeks has been watching the Flyers. I did get to catch more of them this week than I had in last week. So I did watch the game on Tuesday. That was a 6-3 loss to the Red Wings. Kind of an interesting game. Red Wings get out 3-0. Flyers get back, make it 3-2. Red Wings score again and make it 4-2. Flyers kind of crawling, scratching back, gets it 4-3. And then two empty netters at the end of the game. To, to stretch it out to 6-3. So 6-3, they were, you know, they were very uncompetitive early. And then obviously the two empty netters make the score sound worse than it was, but kind of scratched and clawed in the middle to to make it uh, a competitive game. Thursday, a game I didn't catch because I was watching some basketball, was uh, a Flyers win, actually. Uh, win over the Blues. Uh, two goals in the first a goal in the second and two in the third for the Flyers to help them to uh, that 5-2 win over the St. Louis Blues. Friday, another game I didn't catch. Basketball and some travel. Uh, 6-3 loss to the Avalanche. I was following this one on my phone a little bit. I, I tuned in a couple of times. I didn't say I shouldn't watch it. shouldn't say I didn't watch it all, rather. But uh, it was brutal. Uh, Flyers went up 4-1 to in the first. And it, you know, it got a little bit better. But it was pretty bad the rest of the way as well. And then Sunday, just... Here come the classics, the classics here. 5-4 loss to the Predators. They go up 2-0 in the first, so get out to a great start. Then give up four goals in the second period. Four goals. The second and third goals, which were, of course, here's the patented one, 40 seconds apart, 40 seconds between goals. So going to the third, tied 4-4. And then give up the game winner with a minute 19 left in the game. So just an absolutely brutal, brutal, brutal loss for the first game I'd watched a large, large portion of since Tuesday. And yeah, just a just a typical Flyers loss there. So we got three more games this week. We got the Minnesota Wild on Tuesday, the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday, and then the Rangers on Sunday. So three games this week. Maybe the Flyers can figure it out. If not, that draft kick draft pick keeps getting better all right a few things to cover in the fight world this weekend uh we had a pretty interesting fight uh saturday night there are actually three fights saturday the the one i watched the most of i actually watched all of this i rewatched it the next day but uh miguel burchelt fought nakafila uh and burchelt was coming back and moving up to 135 pounds after his loss to oscar valdez last year um when he got knocked out pretty brutally in the 10th round so uh, Burchell was favored in this. People th- kind of thought this would be a comeback fight for him. Nakathila had fought Shakur Stevens last, and then he was moving up to 135 as well. Didn't have a great showing against Shakur Stevens, but Shakur Stevenson can do that to people. So this one was kind of surprising right from the opening get. Nakathila was coming out right from the opening bell, throwing hard shots, and Burchell didn't look right. Uh, didn't seem like there was a lot of pop on his punches. Uh, he gets knocked down in the third, and then there there really didn't seem like a lot of pop in his punches in the fourth. In the fifth, he tried to make it a fight. He started kind of winging some punches. It looked like his best effort of the fight was early in the fifth. The problem was he took some shots in that round and really got beat up for his efforts, just really got battered over it. Um, and then as the fight got going in the sixth, it was just, it, it started to get clinical. Nakathila was throwing hard shots, straight rights, hard jabs, uppercuts, looping rights. I mean, and they were all finding the spot. So after and a huge right hand knocked Perchelt's mouthpiece right out of his mouth and just really rocked him. And it was probably very lucky for him that his mouthpiece did get knocked out and he got a stoppage time to to get that back in, get it rinsed off, because he wobbled over to the corner, went to the wrong corner at first. So that was probably going to end pretty ugly. At the end of that round, they decided not to send him back out. That was the right decision. There was nothing good happening going forward there. So Nakathila with a, a big TKO in the sixth over Miguel Burchelt. Other, where, other places in the U.S. was Tim Zhu making his U.S. debut. He, uh, he was knocked down in the first and then went on to win most of the rounds. 
the local judges had it a lot closer. I think there was a 116-112 and a couple 115-113s, but everybody else seemed to think that was more in the 118-110 range, 117-111. So Tim Zhu, the son of former great Costa Zhu, wins his U.S. debut. We'll see where he goes from there. And then over in England, we had Josh Warrington. He wins a TKO in seven rounds over Kiko Martinez. That was just a battering from start to finish. Kiko Martinez is long past his prize. Uh, I'm sorry, long past his prime. He was a, uh, a belt holder uh, that he'd won from a, a kind of a crazy out of nowhere knockout. And he's just holding over the hill and Warrington beat him up over seven rounds. And that thing was going to get ugly if that one went any longer. In looking forward to this weekend, we've got UFC 273 coming up. Uh, headlined by uh, Volkanovski and the Korean Zombie. Should be a fun fight. The one, the two fights I'm really looking forward to on this one are Kazma Chivev, and I'm probably butchering that one, but whatever. He's in. Uh, he's kind of having one of his first step-up fights. He's fighting Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns has only lost once since 2019, and that was to Kamara Usman. So obviously no shame in that loss. So I'm very interested to see if Kazma is up to the task. He hasn't really fought the, the stiffest competition so far, and Gilbert Burns is obviously a dude. So we'll see how that goes. Everyone thinks very, very highly of Cosmot, and, you know, things can end in a flash in UFC, and the dude you think is going, going to be the up-and-comer just gets starched or gets caught and submitted, but this dude looks to for real, and he's going to look to prove it against Gilbert Burns, so I'd be very interesting. Very interested to see how that one turns out. The other one, I believe this is the co-main. Aljermaine Sterling versus Peter Yan. This is going to be a rematch after Sterling won the title due to Yan hitting him with an illegal knee when he was a downed opponent. So Peter Yan was dominating that fight and really had him in a spot. So I would expect Peter Yan to come out fast and really start to put it on Aljermaine Sterling and get that title back. And then, obviously, the the headline event, Volkanovski versus the Korean Zombie. Should be a fun fight. No idea where that one goes. I do have my brother's picks. Remember, he did go 5-0 last time we turned to him for some picks. So, in the in the first two uh, fights, he likes Imavov and Dern. He likes Kazma in the third. He likes Jan. And then he likes Volkanovski. So, we kind of agree late. Uh, I probably... I don't have any big beefs with that going forward. Again, he went 5-0 and last time, so there is zero chance all those go. And I know Mackenzie Dern's one of his favorite fighters, so that one's probably a surefire loss in that one. Some other fight news on fights that will be taking place uh, in the future. Um, Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk, too, is a go. Usyk has announced he will begin training. He is, as you remember, in Ukraine. He had moved, went back and signed up for one of the territorial defense um, squads. So he got permission to leave to begin training and decided to do that. So Usyk will look to defend the titles he took from Joshua. I think they're targeting somewhere in June for that fight. Also in June, Cambosis is going to fight Devin Haney now for the Undisputed Lightweight Championship on Mar June 5th in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, if there does happen to be a rematch necessary due to Cambosis losing, that too would be in Australia. Uh, Haney is filling in for Lomachenko. Not filling in so much, but taking the, the spot that Lomachenko had already agreed to. Uh, Lomachenko, as you also recall, went to Ukraine. He has decided to stay there. So Devin Haney will fill in and face George Cambosis on June 5th in Melbourne. There will finally be no questions about the undisputed lightweight champ of the world. I come to with the thought that Cambosis already is, and Devin Haney got a you know a belt emailed to him essentially, and Cambosis beat the guy who unified all the belts already. So, but this will this will sure it up. There'll be no more questions after this, and boxing's dumb shit will get put to side. And the one other boxing note I wanted to mention: Shakir Stevenson had mentioned that he took less money to fight Oscar Valdez. And that fight's going on April 30th. Should be a great fight. Two really good junior lightweight champs in a unification match. But Shakir Stevenson said he took less money and he's doing it to bet on himself. He said he basically going with the theory of take a little less now, fight the big competition, make a name for yourself, win big fights, and get to be 
a bigger star and you'll make more in the long run. So props to that. And he just earned himself a fan in me by doing that. So that's everything in the fight game this week. We'll be back to uh, cover UFC 273 next week. We have some NFL news again this week. And the big one, Tyreek Hill traded to the Miami Dolphins. I didn't see this one coming at all. I didn't think Tyreek Hill wanted out of Kansas City. Pretty wild that to get away from Patrick Mahomes. But, hey, it's happened. And it's uh, the Chiefs got a haul back. They got a first, a second, and a fourth-round pick in 2022. A fourth and a sixth in 2023. So just a, a great return on him. And Tyreek Hill also signs a four-year, $120 million extension, $72 million guaranteed, and $52 million up front at signing. So great haul for him. That makes the Dolphins pretty pretty filled up in their skill positions on offense. So, I mean, you're talking about, like, Gasecki at tight end, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker as receivers. Got some good backs. Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert. That's some good skill position players. I don't know what the deal with Fuller is, Will Fuller, but he was having a great year a couple years ago before he got popped for PEDs, and then he's been injured all last year. But if he can come back and have another good year, that's a hell of an offense. We'll see what Tua can do with it. It's going to be make or break for Tua, no doubt. So that's going to be definitely something to watch this year to see if he, he – he can do something with that offense because there's not going to be any excuses anymore. He's got some dudes around him, and he's got it's put up or shut up. This is going to be this is going to be his year to figure it out. So, the Chiefs fill in the gap. They sign Marquez Valdez Scantlin MVS for three years, thirty million dollars. Now, as a Packer fan, I'm I'm sad to see him go because he is such a deep threat and he's so fast. So he does kind of fill that Tyreek Hill type position. He's not Tyreek Hill, obviously. But I just couldn't imagine the Packers ever, ever coming anywhere close to paying him three years, $30 million. That's, that's a chunk of change for a guy who doesn't catch half the fucking balls thrown in his direction. So while I'm not happy the Packers lost him, I just don't – I see no possible way they could have done what they needed to do to keep him if that's the other option. Speaking of former Packers, Zadarius Smith has found a home. We think he signed with the Minnesota Vikings. He pulls in a good deal. Three years, $42 million. He's been, he was injured all last year with that back injury. Played a little bit in the first game and just never got it figured out again. So Zadarius Smith staying in the NFC North. I don't know if they maybe he's got a an axe to grind with the Packers and wanted to stay in the North and, and put it to him. So, and speaking of the Packers, they, uh, they picked up a defensive tackle, Jerron Reed, so help him shore up that run defense, which has been kind of problematic the last few years. And the one other thing I saw in NFL stuff that really caught my attention, obviously there's other stuff that ha- has happened, but these are the things that really caught my eye. I saw a, a list of quarterback wars, wins above replacement, over the last, what is it? It's dating back to 2006, of the win- Super Bowl winning quarterback. The highest, not really surprising at all. Peyton Manning in 2006 had a war of 6.18. So they're saying he was worth six wins better than his replacement. 6.18 is the highest on this list. The second highest. It's also telling how far below Peyton 6.18 this is too. A full game at 5.05. Eli Manning in 2011. And it can kind of be overshadowed sometimes how good Eli was in that year. And the war obviously isn't an end-all, be-all stat. But it it was a very different than his 07 rating, which was a 2.9. He was playing some good football that year. I know that Giants team came in and beat the shit out of the Packers in the divisional round. And make no mistake, that defense was solid, but it wasn't the 07 defense they had. So I was very, very surprised to see that. Some other high ones up here. And I guess we'll go to the lowest, which was Peyton Manning. It was a point. It was a 0.83 in 2015. That was his last year. You'll remember Brock Osweiler was playing a lot of games. He missed six games that year. So I think the number of games he played factors into the number as well. 
So some other high ones. Uh, if you just go up the list, Rodgers in 2010, 4.28. Uh, Eli May in 2011, we mentioned. Brady in 2014, 4.14. Brady in 2016, 4.89. Again, missed four games. So that really, really factors in, I believe. Brady in 2020, 4.96, just shy of five. Uh, Stafford's this year was 3.97. Mahomes last year was 3.42. So you'll notice uh, Brady makes up a lot of this. Obviously, he gets to put his name on there a ton. So some other ones, like I said, Roethlisberger, 2.59 and 08. Russell Wilson, 2.71. Obviously, that was an incredible defense. Flacco has a 2.58. Wentz has a 2.53. All of those are on great teams as well, but... I was I was very, very surprised to see Eli up there. You kind of forget that he played pretty well that year in that 2011, you know, f- the playoffs would have finished in 2012 as the as the Giants beat the Packers in the divisional round. That was a Packers team that went 15-1 and and then went on to beat the, the, uh, the Patriots again in the Super Bowl. That was the Mario Manningham catch here. So that's all I got for NFL news this week. I'm sure more and more will keep happening. We'll keep talking about the NFL all the way up till. Opening kick in September. Okay, time for my passing thoughts. First thing, I, I saw Triple H retired from in-ring competition officially. Hasn't been super active wrestling in the past few years anyway, but he had a, a, a heart issue scare, was close to death, I guess, but he was on with Stephen A. Smith and announced that he was done competing in the ring. And I just... I think back to when I first started watching wrestling. The first thing I ever, the first match I ever saw was The Rock versus Triple H at Backlash 2000. Stone Cold was supposed to be in The Rock's corner. He didn't show up. Then, of course, late in the match, he comes in, smokes everybody with a chair, and leaves. So I start watching wrestling. You know, that's April of 2000. Triple H is the biggest heel in the game. I'm 10 years old or nine years old. I hate him. I hate everything about Triple H. The way he walks, the way he acts, the way he talks. He played that character so well that I that literally as a 10-year-old, I, I may have still thought it was real at that point. I probably did. I couldn't stand him. I wanted to just jump through the TV and punch him myself. And I think that's just a testament to what an incredible heel he was. He had some other great runs, had some great matches. He was good as a face in portions too. But, I mean, his, his work as a heel – from that, like, I guess it was like late 99 in through like 2001 until he got injured. That was about as good as a heel wrestler could be. Also, he had an incredible theme song. The My Time theme song for Triple H, I think is way better than his Motorhead theme song. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Also, caught the opening of Top Gun on TV the other day. That like opening scene where the music's like slowly building. You're kind of out on the sea, and then the fighter jet takes off, and then boom, right into danger zone. Man, just gets me jazzed up. Top Gun, great movie. Can't wait for Top Gun 2. I had some Bojangles. Bojangles, the chicken sandwich from Bojangles. Pretty good, pretty solid chicken sandwich. What Bojangles does that I like, they give you an option to add pimento cheese. Mm, I love me some good pimento cheese. And pimento cheese on a nice, good, crispy chicken sandwich is delicious. I was uh, scrolling through Twitter, and I saw somebody tweeted something. And I don't even remember what it was, but it was kind of controversial. Like, you you were going to get some shit back for it. And the person turned off their mentions. If you tweet and turn off the mentions and replies or whatever it is, you're a fucking pussy. You're going to say something. Stand by it. Go with it. Answer the replies. Don't be a bitch. In other news of people being bitches, the shopping cart test, I don't know if you guys know this, like if you put the, the shopping cart is like the great test of you as a person, there's no reward for doing it. You can get away with not putting it away because you're just going to drive away. No one's going to do anything to you. So the person who puts the shopping cart back away is a good person. The person who doesn't is an asshole. That goes to, with dog poop as well. Pick up your dog poop. If you don't pick up your dog poop, you're a fucking loser too. Um, ooh, I saw a video of The Biggest Loser on Facebook or Twitter or something like that. What a wild show. They basically took the movie Heavyweights and were like, yup, let's do a reality TV show. 
and scream and yell at people that are huge to lose weight. And if they don't lose enough, they get kicked off the island and then probably go back to their old ways because they're depressed. Just a gr- one wild show. It was kind of entertaining, too. Oh, I saw a good picture on Twitter. There was a picture of a reunion of the 2008 Boston Celtics that won the NBA title that year. Kendrick Perkins posted it in the picture. It's Kevin Garnett, Rajon Rondo, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kendrick Perkins, and I don't know who the last person is, but it's like, and and somebody tweets back at it. No one has ever milked one title like the 08 Boston Celtics. It's quite incredible. I agree very much. It's kind of funny how much they milk that thing out. I also saw a picture on Twitter of the highest and lowest payrolls in the MLB. And of course, one of the lowest payrolls would have been my, my team, the Indians, now known as the Guardians. But the top three are the Dodgers, the Mets, and the Yankees. No real surprise there. $270 million for the Dodgers, $249 for the Mets, $235 for the Yankees. Bottom three, the Guardians. It's so weird saying the Guardians. What a good uh, whatever. The Pirates, both at $35 million, and then the Orioles at 30. And Jock Peterson, this was a good one. I'm assuming Jock Peterson's a baseball player. It looks like a baseball player in his profile picture. says, be better for your fan base. If you can't sell your team that someone wants to show the fan base in baseball, they're at least trying to compete. Sorry, unacceptable. I agree. I agree. Fucking spend some money. Like, you're getting more money than $35 million over the year. Spend some of it. Uh, golf. Golf announced some U.S. Open. They announced that Oakland Hills would host the U.S. Open in, like, 2034 and then 2051. And I was like, holy shit, 2051? We're announcing U.S. Opens out till 2051? And then Bucky, actually, I, I texted to our group, and he's like, we'll be 60, 60. I mean, Tiger Woods is going to be dead the way that dude lives his life. I mean, Jesus. And then so I turn out, so I get looking at it. Turns out they've also got Pinehurst book for 2047, Oakmont for 2049, and Marion for 2050. Like, they're ready to rock and roll. Also, while we're on this, hot take. Probably, I don't even know. It shouldn't be hot, but it's a take. Pinehurst being like in every four, five, six years as the U.S. Open site sucks. Like that course is okay. There's been some good moments there, but it's not very memorable. Like since the redo, I know it's back to the roots and it's sandy all over. It just, I don't know. It doesn't do anything for me. And going back there every four or five years seems like a waste. Oakmont being every four or five years, I'm all about that. Oakmont's incredible. That's just an unbelievable golf course. So I don't, I just, I'm not into Pinehurst every four or five years, but yeah. So apparently the U S opens are booked out for like 30 years now away from sports. Now let's do this one first. I saw on like a list of one of those stupid lists, like worst TV storylines or, you know, character turns ever. And number one, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Game of Thrones spoiler alert. It's like three years old. You probably should have watched it already. So there's your warning. It said that the Daenerys Targaryen Mad Queen arc was one of the worst arcs and turns of a character ever. I hate that take. That was totally what they set up for the whole show. The whole show was that the Targaryens are crazy. And like, can you be better than all your ancestors? Like, that was the whole arc for her. And she shows crazy, like, the whole way through the show. Like, she's always getting pissed off. Like, she locks the people in the the vault to die. She burns down the hut with all the other, you know, people in the the horse people camp. I forget what they're called. She burns uh, the Tarleys alive. Like, this was it. This was, this was, it was so blatantly walked out. And, like, that's what was supposed to happen. Like, she flipped. Like, none of the... It's not ever a happy ending in Game of Thrones. So, I don't get the hate for that. I know the last season was rushed, and they were all making too much money. And I think the the creators wanted to get on to something else. And, you know, the books, they outpaced the books because George R.R. Martin just doesn't write them very fast. But I just... I hate that they act like it was so out of character for her to burn the city alive. She No! No! It made total sense. Also, last one here. I saw that Bill Gates, and I apparently as I got looking into this, this isn't a, a new take, but I think The Hill 
retweeted it or tweeted it that he wants all rich nations, and I'm doing you know air quotes here, to move to synthetic beef 100% of the time. Hey, Bill, fuck you. Suck my ass. Suck my balls. Lick my taint. I like my hamburgers. I like my steaks. I like a hot dog. I don't know what kind of beef that even is. But I like it. I'll take the real stuff. And it's just all so convenient that when you look into it, he's dropped like 50 or $60 million into like impossible foods. So, hey, buddy, go screw yourself. Worry about, you know, Microsoft or whatever else you're doing or, you know, giving vaccines to people in Africa or whatever you're doing. Leave my beef alone. I like my hamburgers. I like my ribeyes. You want to go eat that shit? You go for it. But I'm eating the real stuff. Thank you very much. Fuck off, Bill. Closing time. Wrap this thing up, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As always, I appreciate you. If you've made it to the end of the episode, I I really appreciate you guys taking a listen, spending some time with old walls. Thank you again to the team, Zach and Bucky. We are a team here, as, as Bucky liked to tell us. I appreciate it. We'll be back again next week, as always. Keep an eye out for some shirt ideas. If you got ideas yourself and something you think might be a good idea, let me know. Let me know. I'm open for suggestions. Next week, Valero, Texas open to cover. There's a final four game. WrestleMania. Two nights of WrestleMania. My man Stone Cold, Steve Austin, going to be back. I'll be pumped for some glass shatter. So we'll be back next week. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Peace.